What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. My eyes become alive and the light that you shine can't be seen. What is up, everybody? It's me, me, Aaron P., the motherfucker to be. Welcome to the newest member of the Ram Entertainment Podcast family. Uh, this is South by Southwesteros. This is my all-new Game of Thrones podcast. I'm going to be talking about Game of Thrones all of Season 8. Uh, I'm going to be talking about all the seasons in general, but we're going to be focusing on Season 8. For the time being, there's only going to be six episodes, much like Season 8. If we do more, we'll do more. However, we're going to have to focus solely on Season 8 as a whole and all of the Game of Thrones lore that has come before that, some of which has come after as well. Um, this format is going to be a little bit different. If you're familiar with my other podcasts, um, it's going to be just... Well, this episode in particular, the format is going to be completely different. It's going to be all Game of Thrones all the time for the most part. And for this episode, I'm going to be watching the episode and giving my thoughts on the scenes. Uh, I was going to just write out, make notes and stuff and discuss from there. However, I want to go in order in this episode. And then, because it's a fascinating episode. Season 8, episode 1, the title of the episode is Winterfell. Uh... It is a fascinating episode with a lot of ties to earlier episodes in the show, particularly the very first episode of Game of Thrones. So we're going to get into that uh, throughout the next couple weeks. I will be having guests on the excuse me. I will be having guests on the show, uh, book analysis. Even though we're well, well, well past the books, but there are some things in this series that I'm, that, that are going to touch on some things in the books. Uh, things from the show, just, we're, we're just gonna have a lot of fun talking Game of Thrones. So, with that said, if you guys are watching this at home right now, and you guys wanna watch along with me, this is gonna be pretty much, a, this episode is gonna be pretty much a, a lot of a walk-along. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start the episode 
And while it's going through, you know, HBO has their, um, HBO has their, um, ads and stuff that pop on before that. Just want to go through and talk about how I got into Game of Thrones. Uh, I got into the Game of Now, if you're also, um, if you watching along with me, go ahead and press play. And I'm going to start talking. And then it's going to go straight into the show. HBO's ads are on right now. So you guys should be watching the ads. Zendaya is running. I'm going to turn my volume down a little bit. So you guys don't hear a little background and stuff after that. However, start it now. Now, how I got into Game of Thrones is uh, the show was already on. The show was already on. A friend of mine uh, from college, uh, my friend John, uh, he, he was into it. And he had already been reading the books and all that. Uh, he had started the books. Uh, we were already adults by the time he had started the books. Because the first Game of Thrones book came out in 1996. In 96, I was 13 years old. I'm 35 right now. So these books have been out for a very long time. Uh, it's been 25 years since the first book had been written out. We've been waiting now, I want to say, eight years <laughs> for the next book. So it's it's been... A long haul for those of us who actually invested into the, both the books and the shows. Uh, the show's been on for 10 years now. Uh, this is the last season. It's been a great run. It's been a great run. And I got into it. My friend John, he showed it to me. He was like, he's like you know, you, you, you kind of dig this. It's got, you know, fantasy and, and, and dragons and political intrigue and stuff. And... It took me a while to jump into it from like where it was because, just to be totally honest, it was kind of boring to me when I first started watching it. Like I was just like, "What the fuck is going on? What's happening?" Uh, dude from Lord of the Rings is probably gonna get killed again. I called that before. I was like, "He just uh, Sean Bean is just always in stuff to get killed." So I was like, "Sean Bean's about to die." Uh, soon, so, something Sean Bean's gonna do is gonna kill him because I'm like, eh. And then the books were just, um, the books versus the show, way different monster. Way, way, way different monster because the books have so many other characters and so much dialogue. Uh, these books are huge, but I've read the books. I'm all caught up on the books. Uh, you know, it, it is, I'm waiting for the next book to come out, which maybe may, it might come out. It may not. Sometimes that stuff happens. As an author, I can tell you guys now, it takes a very long time to write books, um, especially if you have other projects coming through. If you're getting more lucrative offers to do other things like George R.R. R. Martin, not only does he write books, he's also an executive producer on a couple of different TV shows. And if you write books, you know that TV money is better than writing money. So uh, right now, the HBO logo is coming on and the theme song is about to start in about two minutes. <clears throat> well, let's start talking about that show now, actually, because they've done something different uh, with season eight. What I love is every time they do the opening credit, they show you the world of Westeros and basically where everything's going to happen. There's something that people missed in uh, this episode when they started off as the wall breaking down and they go to a castle. That first castle that they go to is not Winterfell. Winterfell is actually the second castle that they go to. First castle that they go to is Last Hearth. Last Hearth is where the Umbers, House Umber, is, is living. And that's one of the closest castles to the wall. Uh, by East Watch by the Sea. Uh, where East Watch by the Sea is where 
the White Walkers, blew up the wall, and left. Next thing in the way, his last hearth. Keep that in mind. We will talk about that later on in this episode. Uh, there's different sigils being shown. Uh, they go, basically, Winterfell, Last Hearth, King's Landing. I like the only castles that they feature in this episode, in the show opening. I don't know what the other one's going to be. This is going to be a spoiler podcast. It totally will be. However, I don't have any inside information. I'm finding things out just as quickly as you guys are. So, that said, yeah. So... I started watching this show, and when I started, like, I sat down and got into it, I was like, oh, this is really cool, because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of details and stuff into it. Now, the episode is starting, so let's let, let's talk about it. Well, now, when I first started watching the show, you go all the way back to the first season, first episode, starts with a little boy climbing up something, you know? Um... Well, it actually starts talking about, you know, it starts with the White Walkers killing a member of the Night's Watch and someone escaping away. Then it goes into Bran climbing up something. Bran is climbing up something. He's watching the king arrive at Winterfell. This season starts with a little kid climbing up stuff, and he sees what he thought was the king of the north and the dragon queen arriving. And it, it ties in. This is the first episode of the last season. The first episode of the first season where we got to int- introduce to everybody. It starts off the same way. Except that now instead of being introduced to everybody. We're being reintroduced to everybody as adults. Because you got to remember this show started 10 years ago. A lot of the actors in this show that we come to know and love. Started out as very young children. And young adults. And now this is a very major major part of their lives. Uh, For those of us who've watched the show, it's a major part of ours. Um, And I love how that that just comes together. That that direction, that artistic vision to have it start off in in those ways. And this this time, it's kind of different. The last time a monarch came up to visit Winterfell, well, not visit, but the last time a monarch came to Winterfell, the, the pageantry was there and stuff, and it wasn't basically two armies and a bunch of dragons, you know. Now you have Daenerys in her winter coat, uh Jon Snow in his 800 pound cloak. Arya's looking on at her brother. This episode is very very much filled with one of the things I want to talk about are reunions. A lot of reunions in this episode because now it's it's the end. And everybody who's been separated, particularly the Stark family, everybody who's been separated is now back together, you know. Uh, This is the first time that all of the Starks who left Winterfell in that first season are now, who are still alive, are now back in Winterfell for this last season. So that's pretty cool. You have... The reunion of John and Arya, uh, John and Bran. John hadn't seen Arya or Bran since season one. Uh, he'd seen uh, he'd been with Sansa since season six. Yep, since season six, but he hasn't seen Arya or Bran since season one. They'd been children the last time he saw them. Um, you get a shot of Tyrion. 
returning to Winterfell. Winter, Tyrion, Tyrion's character played by Peter Dinklage is a fascinating one because he's one of the few characters, if not the only character, who's actually been in scenes with every other main character in the show. You know, like I think the only person that he has never been on screen with was Ramsey Bolton. And yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it because everybody else has pretty much been partnered up with just their group, whether they're in Essos or King's Landing or uh, the Twins or, um, you know, the Riverlands and stuff had all been pretty much separated. It's like several different units that film in this show. And Tyrion had been pretty much on screen with just about every main character in this show besides uh, the Boltons and and the Freys. Yeah, Tyrion has never been with the Freys either. So pretty much he's been with everybody else, though. He's worked pretty much with, side by side. Um, and the Sand Snakes. He's never been with the Sand Snakes. So, wait, I think he has. I think he has been with the Sand Snakes. But yeah, anyway. Dragons show up, everybody's all marveled and stuff. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about for this season is how they're gonna how they're setting up a lot of different things. Now, I'm uh, coming up on a scene now where Bran is Bran and John reunite. And the last time John had saw Bran, Bran was unconscious from being pushed out of the window by Jamie. Um and John is just filled with emotion to see his brother, as any older brother would be. Uh, 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 and of course, we all know at this point, John is not Bran's brother, but he's his cousin. But he doesn't know that yet. Um, Bran, the three-eyed raven, is a little loose. He actually made a joke in this scene. He's not, you know, wound up too tight, which is which is good. Which is good, you know. He's not wound up too tight. And, and again, I'm watching this. As I give my commentary towards it. So this first episode is pretty much commentary. Then I'll get into some other thoughts and stuff as we go. Uh, you have Liana Mormont right up front. Looking as Liana Mormonty as ever. Uh, and then Daenerys is just showing up. Just looking pretty smug. Meanwhile Sansa is, is just looking just like, you know, like, why is this bitch in my house? And then Bran just says, hey, look, uh, we don't have time for any of this right now. All this pleasantries, that's great. Night King has your dragon. He has an ice dragon, and they are coming. Wall is down, and they are on their way. And the funniest part about this shit is Sansa's reaction. Sansa's facial reactions in this episode are hilarious because when Bran just basically tells everybody what just happened in the last episode of the series... Uh, her face is like, oh, yeah, that's right. You haven't been here to know about Bran and how he can see stuff now. Uh, yeah, we need to sit and talk about this. Now, in this next scene, Lord Umber, who's confused at how to address John and everyone else, he's been sent back to Last Hearth to bring everybody back to Winterfell, and then he leaves. Keep in mind, Last Hearth is the castle in which was in the theme of the episode. So, again... We will probably come back to that part. Uh, hopefully you've seen this episode uh, by now. 
But as she got HBO, if I am your way into seeing this episode, God, I feel sorry for you. Uh, you should probably get some damn HBO or a friend who got the shit, man. <laughs> like, straight up. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, he's talking with all the rulers of the North. Everything's going great. Now, one of the things that I, I want to talk about in, 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 this, in this particular scene is how pissed off the lords of the north are because John left John left the king and he came back I, I guess a lord or something like that because you gotta think about it like this Westeros Westerosi customs, Westerosi laws. Uh at this point everybody knows John Snow to be John Snow. Now the significance of that name Snow, uh what a lot of people don't understand don't know but um, they bring it up in passing during the show, but in all of the Seven Kingdoms, uh, all of the bastards, if you're a bastard, you have a bastard, you have a regional specific bastard last name. In the North, it's Snow. In the Crownlands, it's, I think it's Crown in the Crownlands. Uh, Riverlands, it's Rivers. Excuse me. Riverlands, it's Rivers. In the Reach, it's Flowers. In the Westerlands, it's um, Stone. In the Iron Islands, it's Pike. I think it's Pike. Uh, um, and and, and I, if you need to correct me, please do correct me. Uh, you'll see all my social media in the show notes. In Dorn, it's Sand. In um, um, Stormlands, it's Storm. And I think that's it. If I'm missing one, please let me know. If I got anything wrong, also, again, let me know. This is being respectful and stuff. We having fun. Game of Thrones. But, yes, everybody has a bastard-specific name. So, him being a bastard, and he left as a king, and he comes back. Well, who, who is he? Bastards can't really get titles like that through hereditary means. They have to kind of take them. Uh, if they take them at all, or be granted them through naturalization, or be granted them by like anything that they've done, like to show valor or whatever, it's really convoluted. But at the same time, you know, does he get to be the Lord of Winterfell or, or what? You know, because technically, Bran is the Lord of Winterfell. He's the son of Ned Stark. He's the oldest living son of Ned Stark. He's 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 the Lord, but you know, he's also the Three Eyed Raven. And, you know, all that. We get other uh, reunions where we get Sansa and Tyrion, who last saw each other in season four at Joffrey's wedding. That was the last time they saw each other. They make reference of that. Um, a lot of people leading up to the season premiere were questioning, well, hey, you know, if Tyrion and Sansa meet up again, will they, you know, continue as a married couple, because keep in mind, Sansa and Tyrion were married. The marriage was never consummated, which is why Sansa got married to Ramsay. Uh, the less talked about that, the better. <laughs> it's it's fucking terrible. Um, and I curse a lot for those of you guys who uh, are not familiar with my work in the podcast world. Uh, yeah, I curse a lot. So yeah, Tyrion and Sansa meet up. This is the first time that they've met since... It's the first time they've seen each other since season four, episode two. Uh, that was about five years ago. They hadn't seen each other. And I don't know how, what the time split is in in the show. 
Uh, typically, one season is usually like one year of time. And then like some seasons start where the last one ended. Uh, it's it's really weird how the time goes. They really didn't dive into a specific timeline or anything like that. So, you know, I don't know how long it's been. It's been it's been a couple years, put it like that. So Tyrion is there and they're talking and she 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 says something very very fucking profound because Sansa Sansa's actually grown a lot. I love how they finally make her grow into somebody that people can like because if I first started watching this show, I couldn't fucking stand Sansa. Sansa had everything about her in a character and in a person that I just did not like as that she was just super duper naive and she did play a part in getting her father killed. Let's let's go ahead and just say that right now. I I, I listen to a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts and not a lot of people want to say how much of a part Sansa had at, in actually her father losing his life. Like I get it. You guys like a character and stuff. You can identify with somebody like that. That's awesome. However, you also have to, you know, hold them accountable for some of this, some of their actions. Because she didn't have to tell Cersei that they were trying to leave. But she did. And, and I know she didn't know. But, you know, at the same time, naivety is not an excuse. You know, keep your family business to yourself. You know what I mean? And then we get the reunion. That I'm glad that they saved for a one-on-one encounter instead of in front of everybody. We get John and Arya. John and Arya are were extremely close. Uh, every book describes them as being very close. All the shows describe them as being close. Even only after sharing two scenes with each other in the whole show before they reunite here in season eight. Um, even in the books, John and Arya are said to look alike. Leading Arya to question whether or not if she was a bastard when they were younger. Because she didn't look like her mom. She looked more of like a... John and Arya look, have stark features. They look like their father, Ned. This is in the books. Um, of course, we know John has stark features because his mother, instead of his father, is indeed a stark. His mother being Lyanna, Lyanna Stark, who got married to the recently divorced... Uh, <laughs> Rhaegar Targaryen had a child, told Ned to protect it because she knew that Robert would have him killed if he found out about his Targaryen blood and him being the actual living, breathing personification of a woman rejecting him. A woman that he loved rejecting him because Robert did indeed love Lyanna Stark. He probably would have never been faithful to her. For those of y'all who still remember, Robert was the first king that we actually saw on the show, who was killed by uh, poison set up by his his wife and her cousin. He was killed by poison and a boar in a hunting accident. Staged to look like an accident, but, you know, they had to get him drunk as hell so the shit would happen like that. Uh, John sees how much Arya has grown and changed as a person. She's not the same little girl that he left. And basically, you know, she's she's trying she's trying her extreme extreme best to protect her family. But at the same time, she's trying very hard 
not to let the stress that she's gone through take her over as a person. And that's just what I see in her character development in the show, and, and that's what I'm I'm hoping to see a little bit more of that. Uh, there's a little bit of foreshadowing that happens uh, a little bit later in this episode, and I'll talk about it as that scene comes up. Right now, we're going to, t- to take a trip down to King's Landing. Well, you see Euron Greyjoy and the Iron Fleet sailing back to Westeros with the Golden Company in tow. And this is where the comedy of the episode comes up, too, because there's some funny parts, like in, in Winterfell, where Bran is like, we ain't got time for all this. And he's, you know, he's Bran, and then you have uh, Sansa's facial reactions towards everything. That was great. But the comedy in this episode goes to one of the most unlikely sources of comedy ever, and that is Cersei Lannister. Now, uh, Euron Greyjoy, who was revealed to have not just fleed the scene after seeing the White Walker down in the Dragon Pit. Nah, he was going over to Essos to go pick up the Golden Company. The Golden Company uh, is a sellsword company who, in the books, uh, sellsword, the, the, the Golden Company was started by a Targaryen. I can't remember which Targaryen. It may have even been a Blackfire Targaryen. But um, I can't remember which one. I'll, I'll come back on the next episode and I'll correct myself on that because uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to show more of the Golden Company in the next episode and the episodes to come up because they are in this season. Uh, and they feature heavily in the books. Heavily in the books. So, the leader of the Golden Company is talking to Cersei and <laughs> she asks about the elephants, the war elephants, and he said, we don't have elephants. They're not... They're not really good to bring over on the sea, which is uh, which is really a, a real thing uh, during a time where you can't just hastily transfer animals across the ocean, uh, which which is now, uh, you know, bringing animals across the ocean where you don't have modern technology and stuff, especially elephants, is a terrible idea tactfully. But Cersei's face and her reactions toward the elephants not being brought there is absolutely hilarious to me. She's like, I was, to- I was told, I was told there'd be elephants, as if the entire point of her hiring the Golden Company was just for war elephants. She's like, whoa, 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 y'all don't have elephants. What the fuck did I pay for? I paid for elephants. Now, keep in mind, Cersei saw the White Walker. It came straight for her. She saw one of them. Just one. Now, as we all know who watched the show, those of us who live outside of Westeros and can see what's going on in all places, we are the omnipotent watcher of the show. We know how many people there are. Does, does Cersei really think that elephants will make a fucking difference with all of this? Because all that's going to happen is whichever, whichever elephants don't make it are going to get turned into White Walker elephants. Now, as amazing as that would be to see, I don't think that she's ready for that shit. I don't think that's the problem that Cersei wants at this at this moment. So, them not bringing the elephants, good on them. Good tactical decision on that. But then, Euron finally gets his promise. Finally gets the friend in Cersei that he needs. And he and Cersei hook up. Which, you know, alright, cool. And then right after, she starts that scene with, 
I'm really disappointed about these elephants, which is fucking hilarious that they do a callback to the elephants again. Because, again, she honestly thinks that elephants would have turned the fucking tide, which I, cool, whatever. You know, elephants won't at all. Elephants won't even do anything against. Now, let's say Cersei had full faith that John. The Dothraki, the dragons, the Unsullied, all the armies of the north would be able to um, would be able to defeat the Night King, and everything would be cool. Okay, let's let's say that. Let's say that. Okay, perfect. Are we to believe that she thinks that elephants could beat dragons? Like, I understand that dragons don't exist in real life. I understand that. And people are like, man, it'd be really cool if they did. You need to shut the hell up. No, it wouldn't be because being able to randomly die by a flying winged creature is not fun at all. There's a fucking cassowary that killed a dude at a, um, a zoo in Florida because, of course, it was in Florida um, a couple days ago. And cassowaries don't even fucking fly. And they're about the closest thing we got to dragons. Look up cassowary. You'll see what the fuck I mean. But... If she really thinks that war elephants were going to stop dragons, eh, no, no, elephants can't get that high and elephants are not fireproof. I'm sorry. I know Dumbo just came out, but yeah, uh, the less CGI elephants on TV, the better, even though it would have been kind of cool because I do like war elephants because they remind me of one of my favorite African kings, but you know, well, that's, a, that's, that's for my other podcast. Anyway. My other podcast, me and Aaron Explains the Universe. You guys can listen to that. Uh, goes on now semi-regularly. So anyway, you get to Bron in a brothel. Bron is in a brothel. He finds out in passing that one of the the ladies of the night he was with has the pox. And it'll take her within the year. And he's like, what? And Queen Cersei had an offer for Bron. Now... Uh, we'll, we'll get into some production shit real quick. Now, because during the show, we all know that Cersei is the type of person who handles her business head on. Yes, always. However, she sends Kyburn to tell Bronn, hey, I need you to go kill Tyrion and Jaime. That was the mission that he got. And not only to kill Tyrion and Jaime, but use the same crossbow that Tyrion used to kill their father. Basically, use the exact same weapon that pretty much put our family in these dire straits to put them down. Thus destroying the male Lannister line. Uh, it is unknown at this point whether or not Bronn takes this job or just takes the money and does his own thing because he has a, a relationship with both Jamie and Tyrion. He is friends with both characters. So it is it is yet to be seen how exactly that's gonna work out, but from what we can take from this scene, Bron is on his way up north. Cause he knows but where both men are. So production wise, so we know that that Cersei pretty much handles uh all of her business on her own. However, in real life, real life things happen. And in real life, the actor who plays uh, Bronn and the actress who plays Cersei 
in real life, once upon a time, dated each other, and now they absolutely fucking hate each other. There are no scenes with them together in the series at all. Not for any significant amount of time. The one scene where you see Cersei walking away from Bronn in the hallway, that is Bronn's body double for that one moment. There are absolutely no scenes of them together in this entire show. They do not bring it up in interviews. They've not been seen in interviews together. And they just do not appear on screen together because there is a mutual dislike between both characters. So the way that she sends Kyburn in to give them a deal is basically, okay, well, you know, we got to find a way to get Cersei to fucking offer Bronn to do this without having Cersei going in off of Bronn to do this. So that's how that happens. Flies over to the next scene where you see probably the most successful rescue mission in all of Game of Thrones. Now... Uh, which is pretty much a sequel to one of the most unsuccessful rescue missions in all of Game of Thrones. Because uh, Theon is on his road to redemption. Now, Theon is not going to sit on the Iron Throne. I'm going to say that right now. He's not. I'm not saying that because I dislike the character. I actually like Theon's story arc, how it has peaks and valleys, but... It is about a, a man who's now trying to do right because of all the wrong that he has done, because of all the things that he's caused to happen. Excuse me, whether directly or indirectly, he's now trying to do the right thing. And the first thing he does in this, in the climax of his story, is he's gonna go save his sister, and he pulls it off. His sister was the only person who tried to rescue him from Ramsay Bolton. Got really close. But he sabotaged that mission himself. By being loud. He sabotaged. I'm just realizing this as I say this now. He sabotaged that mission himself by being loud. He successfully rescues his sister. By being silent. They didn't cause enough. No, they didn't cause a lot of noise. They sniped everybody. It wasn't a bloody battle or anything like that. They sniped everybody that they saw. And he rescued his sister. And now... She's sailing back to the Iron Islands and she sent him to go to Winterfell to help fight with the Starks because John gave him permission. He's like, you don't have to choose. He's a Stark and he's a Greyjoy. And I think this is just me foreshadowing uh, that there's going to come a time where John is going to have an identity crisis himself being a Targaryen and being a Stark. And I think it's going to be Theon that tells him, hey, man, you don't have to choose. You can be both. You can be a Stark and you can be a Targaryen. And that's just me foreshadowing something later on in the episode. Now, we get. Now, let's let's get. On in in with the episode. Now we're gonna go a little bit off the watch along and stuff because um, there's just a lot of political intrigue and talking points at this point with uh, Varys, Davos, and Tyrion, where they're basically just saying, "Hey, look, we need to get these two married. Like, why not have you know two of the most qualified people to run this country?" 
let's have them together, you know? And they're asking Tyrion, he should propose it because it looks better when Tyrion does it because he's a younger person and he's not just an old person telling young people what to do. And they're like, okay, cool. And then you see John and Daenerys, they're talking, hanging, and um, talking and just, I guess, hanging out at Winterfell, you know? We see more of Winterfell in this one episode than we have in pretty much the entire season. And I get it, the name of this episode is Winterfell, but yeah, I like this it is commendable. And and as a person who hates the snow and the person who hates winter, it looks beautiful. Snow is beautiful. I just don't want to be in it. Let's, let's put it like that. I, I love seeing snow on TV in California. <laughs> it's great. When I see snow on TV in California. But yeah, so Daenerys finds out from her Dothraki, who are totally not dressed for the weather at all. She, uh, They say that the dragons aren't eating. Like, they're not eating as much as they would. Which, when they tell her how much they eat, I'm like, fuck, how much do dragons eat? Like, I get it. Like, you know, they're big animals and stuff. But 18 goats sounds like a lot of goats. Just just saying. This is coming from a person. I don't eat goat often, but I do eat goat. And goat is pretty filling. And goat is pretty big. But at the same time, it's a fantasy fucking show. You know, who knows? They, they probably just was like, hey, you know what? Yeah, 18 goats and 11 sheep. 18 and 11 is 29. So almost 30 animals between two dragons. And, you know, that's not enough. So they go check them out. And you go see one of the most baller shots in the whole damn show. You see two dragons, Rhaegal and Drogon, flanking the scene. And Jon and Daenerys walking up right in between them. It is a beautiful, beautiful shot. And you get some foreshadowing into who Jon really is. Uh, for those who don't know, like in the books, uh, they talk about dragon riders a lot. Uh, there's a war called the Dance of Dragons where there were so many other dragons and like there were different Targaryens riding dragons doing warfare on each other. Now, only Targaryens thus far in the series, uh, in the book and the show, only Targaryens have been able to ride dragons. Only they have been able to touch dragons. The only person who is uh, technically not a Targaryen to be able to touch a dragon was Tyrion. Now, we all know Jon is already a Targaryen. He's touched Drogon. Now he's about to touch Rhaegal. Rhaegal, uh, the significance of Jon being able to touch and, in just a second, ride Rhaegal, uh, the significance in that is that his Rhaegal is named after Daenerys' brother, Jon's father, uh, Rhaegar Targaryen. So he's riding a dragon named after his father. Just kind of awesome. Then they go into this scene. So this is another thing. Like, he can ride a dragon, which makes Daenerys attracted to him. Uh, They're already attracted to each other, which is cool. And, you know, we'll get into that in a second. And, you know, he's riding a dragon, as a Targaryen does and should. So that's also neat. Now, this whole scene is basically a good little couple minutes of them having a romance, their, their first actual date riding dragons. Which, if if this, if dragons were real, this would shame a lot of first dates. Be like, man, I took that bitch riding dragons. 
And that's Daenerys talking about John, by the way, because she took him riding her dragons. And, you know, it's cool. I really wanted them. And I was watching this shit. I was saying this shit to myself in my head. I really wanted them to sing A Whole New World <laughs> as they were riding. I'm like, they are just riding around. A whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. A whole new fantasy. No one to tell us no. Where to go. Just giving this whole new world to me. And it's cool. <laughs> like it was, it, it was funny to me. So then they riding, and then it goes into like ah, the dialogue in this episode is some of the dialogue in here was just real fucking questionable, and which is real kind of out of sorts for Game of Thrones. Like I, I, I peeped that a little bit, which you know whatever. I get it. They're trying to spit put some love story in it and stuff. It's kind of weird when you stop and you think about it. But, yeah. So, John and Daenerys land by Waterfall Cave. I'm unsure of where exactly John took her. Because I think John led the charge over here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not completely sure where he took her. But I think that's the cave from Season 3. Where he, where he and um, Egret had first did it, where John actually lost his virginity. Like I think that's the cave, and I'm I have to go back to check it out. And then they start making out in front of the dragons, and the dragons are just checking out the whole scene and stuff. So like, I guess in Westeros, dragons are like cats or like any kind of pets that when you start, you know, doing it. They will maintain eye contact the whole time. So, yeah, if you've ever done it in front of your animals, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. If you've never done it in front of animals and you have pets, get ready. Because <laughs> that shit's going to fucking happen. So, yeah, now we get another set of reunions in the show. And you get one with uh, three characters who've had great interactions with each other. You get Gendry. Son of Robert Baratheon, you get the Hound, you get Arya. Arya's had Arya's had a um, interesting relationship with the both of them. She had more of a older brother, younger sister dynamic with the Hound. Then there was a different kind of friendship with her and Gendry, which I hope they kind of explore in this, and I hope they don't at the same time. And Arya and the Hound are still, you know bitter still kind of angry at each other but at the same time there's a a little bit it's a little underlying of respect between the two and i dig that i dig that because there's there's smiles exchanged between the two but at the same time it's like you know what you still eat a dick it was a lot of that it was a lot of that vibe going on when she met back up with the hound it was like yeah you know what Thank you for teaching me some stuff, but, you know, you still suck. You know, it's like, it, it was it was like that old high school football coach from Texas and shit. It's like, thank you for being the hard ass that you were. It made me into a better person, but you still are a miserable sack of shit, you know. 
So we are. We, this episode is a lot of setup. It's a lot of setup in this episode, which is great. Uh, which is what a first episode of a series should be. Arya presents Gendry with a weapon. Now, from what it looks like, it looks like an arrow because there are um, there were several like different like teaser scenes of Arya with a bow and arrow. And here's my theory. Here's my theory on this one. Now we uh, we just saw John and Daenerys by the cave that I think is from season three. Okay, I think it is. The cave that I think is from season three. Now, uh, John came back from the cave, joined up with the Night's Watch again, and then the Wildlings had their battle at Castle Black. And Ollie the shithead, Ollie of House Asshole, killed Egret with a bow right in front of John. I. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to say that I think that this is going to happen, but I will not be surprised if it does. I think Arya is going to be the one to kill Daenerys with a bow made out of dragon glass. With a bow, with an arrow made out of, dra- made out of dragon glass after she's turned by the Night King. I'm saying it might happen. It might happen. She's going to kill somebody that somebody else loves who got turned with a fucking arrow made out of dragon glass. I'm just saying. Now, John and uh, Sansa now arguing, which is setting up a lot of tension throughout the series because uh, if you thought that everybody was going to be just all nice and friends and stuff when everybody got up to Winterfell, you have not been watching this show. Um... Southern people don't do well up in the north. Just saying. Not just because of the weather. It's just, you know, the Targaryens and the Starks have a troubled history. Uh, in recent in recent years, like in the last 30 years of the show, things have been kind of tense. Because the Mad King, who uh, is Jon's grandfather, who is Daenerys' father, killed... Brandon Stark, who is their uncle, who is uh, Ned's older brother, and their f- grandfather, whose name I, I it always escapes me. I want to say Torin Stark, but that was an older ancient Stark. I know that, but um, Ned's father was killed. Um, Ned's father and their uncle Brandon, Ned's father and his brother Brandon were killed by the Night King. Uh, by wildfire, right in front of the Iron Throne. So, it's it's kind of it's still kind of tense, still kind of tense between the two. Also, they're still under the belief that Rhaegar had kidnapped and raped their aunt Lyanna, which we find, which we know is not true. And now for the one of the most awkward, and it turned into one of the most sad saddest reunions, is and I, and I want to talk about this for some time, is um. Daenerys and Sam. Now, Daenerys and Sam had never met. Uh, but Sam had cured um, Jorah Mormont of Grayscale. Dragonscale, if you will. Either or. He cured him of that, and she wanted to meet and thank him. And, you know, Sam is being Sam. He's like, you know, I just did what, you know, other people wouldn't do. And, you know, I did it because I felt it was the right thing to do. And she's like, well, if there's anything I can do, let me know. He's like, well, you can give me a pardon. 
He's like, well, I mean, I stole some books from the Citadel, excuse me, and I stole my family's sword. I kind of want to be taken care of when people find out about this shit. He drops his family name, and she's like, oh, Tarly. So, uh, Randall Tarly's your dad? She's like, yeah, it's my father. She's like, and she tells him that, you know, she killed him. And he's like, well, you know, at least I'll be allowed home because my brother's the Lord. And she's like, oh, your brother was next to him. His reaction to both his father's death and both his brother's death, slightly different. But at the same time, it tells you about their relationship with him. When he hears that his father is dead, you know, there's still emotion in his eyes because, you know, it's, it's, still, his, it's still his father. You know, no matter what kind of relationship that you have with either one of your parents and stuff. And, and, and this goes across the board. I don't want to tell people how they feel or how they should feel or anything like that. You're going to have some emotion towards it. Now, when she told him that his brother had stood next to him, he almost fell apart because, one, it's his younger brother. He loved his brother. And everything he did uh, up until the show starts was for the benefit of his brother. When he left House Tarly, Sam is the older brother. Sam was forced to give away his rights and inheritance because his father didn't think he was strong enough. And his father said he'd kill him if he didn't. So he left. And kept in touch with his brother and stuff. In the books, it's, it's the, the relationship is hashed out a lot more. But yeah, he finds out that it's both his father and his brother are dead. And since he took night watch vows, since he's uh, training to be a maester, which is still up in the air, you know... His house is pretty much gone through the male line. Yes, he does have a sister, but, you know, it's emotional for him. It's an emotional time. It's like, wow, that's so my, he just finds out that half of his family is gone. And he walks out and he sees Bran and, and kudos, oh, shit, 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 sorry. That was my fault. And kudos to whoever is. Uh, the carpenter or builder at Winterfell because they got handicap ramps everywhere because anywhere that Bran want to be, he's going to be there, goddammit. So Bran shows up. He sees Samwell. He's like, look, it's time to tell John what's going on. And I'm thinking that they was going to save this for a couple of episodes. We get another emotional, no, another emotional reunion, another emotional reunion. And then we get a big reveal in the same week because usually... When they say, hey, it's time to do something in Game of Thrones, they take their time with it. However, we only got six episodes, so we got to fast travel. Also, we're already in the same spot, so why wait? He's like, we got to tell John who his parents are. And then Sam and Bran argue about who should do it, to which Bran makes a good point. He's like, dude, you're his brother in the Night's Watch. You've spent more time with him than Bran ever has. And he's like, look, dude, he trusts you more than anybody else. It'll be better if it comes from you. He finds John in the crypts uh, right in front of, right, not in front of, not directly in front of. Ned Stark's statue, where John is standing, it's, it's very important. And, and little stuff like this is why I love this show. And I've watched this episode several times that I see this stuff. John is standing right in the middle of Ned Stark's statue and his mother, Lyanna Stark's statue. He's standing right in the center. There's an equal distance between both statues. 
and he tells him, he like Sam, and Sam literally, he's like, look, man, did you know that she killed my parent, my father and my brother? John didn't know. John wasn't there. John didn't know at all. He didn't know specifics on who was killed or anything like that. He told her, he's like, I didn't know. And then Sam just gets angry. He's like, look, man, you've been the king the whole time. He's like, you, he's like, you, you're not the king of the north. He's like, I'm not telling you you're the king of the north. You're the king of all of the seven kingdoms. He tells him who his parents are. And John's face, he has that look where, have you ever told somebody the truth? That's something that they didn't know. And once you finally told them, they knew it was true. However, they weren't ready to fully accept how true it was that they start throwing in other stuff in front of it. Because that's what's happening. John is throwing other stuff in front of it. He's like, look, you trying to tell me that my father would lie to me? He's like, no, I'm telling you that your father did what he had to do to protect you. He's like, he did exactly what he had to do to protect him. And then when you go back to other episodes, we go back to season one, go back to season one, episode two, episode three, right when John is about to go to the wall, uh, right? No, uh, right before John talks to Ned about going to the wall, he said, you have no idea what you're giving up by going. I think Benjamin actually told him that he's like, you have no idea what you'd be giving up if you're going. Because if you go to the wall, you give away all your inheritance, all your rights, all of your everything, all your titles. And when the war ended, you know, he just popped up back in Winterfell with a new baby. Just out of nowhere. Who's the same age as Rob. No one ever gets into like if Rob or John is slightly older or anything like that. But I think John is a little bit older than Rob. But he just showed up. With a new baby out of nowhere. But yeah, John is the true king, and he just found that out. Now, the next couple episodes, we have to see how John grows from that. Moving right along, and I, and I hate doing this, but I'm just shoveling things off, but I'm doing this as the watch. Now we're at Last Hearth. Last Hearth is the castle that we saw in the opening theme as the seat of House Umber, and it is in complete ruin. We find out. That a couple people who we didn't know if they survived or not are actually alive. Torben Giants Bane, Beric Dundarian, and the rest <laughs> of the Brotherhood of um, Brotherhood Without Banners show up. Last heart, they're like, all right, we got we escaped. Gotta get out of here. Now they were behind the White Walkers. White Walkers had already left. The wall, by the time that they had escaped. That is the only logical solution to how they all escaped alive. Because, and and by the way, them escaping the wall, crumbling down like that, is also a feat of amazing. But, you know, again, it's a show with an ice dragon and an ice zombie army. So I'm not going to argue semantics on how they survived a fallen 700-foot wall. So... But yeah, I'm glad they're here. So they're in Last Hearth, and they hear noises and stuff. They're just trying to search this castle to make sure it's all safe to get through because the White Walkers are kings of surprise attacks. And this is it's a funny scene. They did a well-coordinated hide when they heard a noise. 
almost as if they just rehearsed that so many damn times and it was it was shot perfectly it really was and then they pop out Dolores hit in the night watch pop out the funniest fucking line. He's like, stand back, he's got blue eyes. And then Torment's like, I've always had blue eyes. And that shit, I lost it when I heard that shit the first time. And they find out that they're all still amongst the living, which is great. Now, they're still exploring the castle. They get into the main hall of the castle, and they find one of... It's a throwback scene. It really is. It's a throwback scene because we've seen symbols like this before throughout the show. You see little Ned Umber impaled on a wall surrounded by a whole bunch of sever- severed arms in a pattern. And he's just impaled on this wall and... The Night King sending a message. He's like, I'm coming. If you watch this scene where Tormund is talking right in front of Ned Umbers, the scariest shit happens. Lord Umbers' eyes start to open and he just white walkers the fuck out. And it is the scariest shit. Because it's dark in a motherfucker. And then Beric Dondarrion takes his flaming sword and he's like, all right, we know fire can take care of him. So let's let's do this. And he's still flailing and yelling. And I thought more White Walkers were about to come out. Because when they, usually when they start screaming like that, more of them show up. But they're like, alright, they're on the move. We got to get out of here. We got to warn somebody. We got to get back down to Winterfell. They say all of that without saying a word after burning this statue. And you see the White Walker pattern that we've seen in several episodes before. Several episodes you've seen patterns like that. Those little glyphs. Those little, that little spiral. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see people with a whole bunch of tattoos like that coming up soon later. Because, you know, that's how we do in the fandom world. We get tattoos of the shit that we like. So now, we come to the last. The last and one of the most, if not the most important reunion of the show. That will unfortunately, but fortunately, be talked about in the next episode. You see a mysterious hooded man come into Winterfell. He takes his hood off and he reveals himself to be Jamie Lannister, who has gone from beach blonde to brunette in eight seasons. I don't know if that's to get him to hide on the ride up, but yeah, Jamie Lannister's hair has gotten progressively darker every damn season. You get the last reveal. He turns and he sees Bran Stark alive. And in a chair. And knowing everything. And then the episode ends. The episode goes off right when they make eye contact. Now, the significance of that is that a lot of the action in the show. A lot of, a lot of the things in the show that do not, uh, that, that do not involve the, de- the army of the dead and the Night King. Just about everything else that happened in the show started from when Jamie pushed Brandon out of a window. All the way back to the first episode. The first episode of the first season started and ended the same way that the first episode of the last season did. With the little boy climbing up and then with Jamie and Bran 
that is the little subtle stuff like that is why I love this show. Because I watch it over and over again. I watch, I rewatch it. I want to watch it every time because it's always something that I'll miss. Uh, before I did this episode, before I started recording, I had watched this episode about five times. Probably going to watch it again because next week I kind of want to have some other stuff I want to talk about. Because next week I'm going to have uh, a guest on the show and I want to discuss all of these things. This episode was great. And then in the next episode, they give us the trailer where, you know, he's looks like he's standing trial in front of Daenerys. But I'm not sure how that's going to end. I cannot wait to see. But yeah, so again, this episode, bare bones, just basically a watch along and a little bit of analysis from that. Um, I do have a theory on who I feel is going to sit on the Iron Throne or who rather who is going to... uh, win the Game of Thrones, by the way. Uh, first of all, we all won the Game of Thrones. You, I, and everyone else who watches and enjoys this show, we all won because uh, it, we, we found something to bring us all together. However, in the show, there will be a clear-cut winner, and it will be a bittersweet ending. The bitter part is, it's not going to be anybody that we've come to know and love these last 10 years. It's not. It's not. Here's my reasoning behind that. Because a lot of this show, a lot of the research into the show, a lot of the character development, a lot of the things that created this entire story comes from the sto- the, Norse, the Norse myth of Ragnarok. Now, we all saw the, and enjoyed the Thor movie at Ragnarok. However, the actual Ragnarok is basically the end. The end of the world. The end of a cycle. And from that... When everything burns down from that, from the ashes of that, the children rise up and they start a new world. The children rise up and start a new world. Now, there are children. There is a group called the children in Game of Thrones, the children of the forest. I'm not talking about those children. However, I am talking about the child of John and Daenerys. The child of John and Daenerys will rise up and that person will bring about a new world, a new peace. Because, again, Daenerys always talks about this wheel that she wants to break. She is part of that wheel. And so is John to a certain degree. They will rise up. However, they're not going to be the new hope that everybody is looking for. Because everybody has their own point of view and all that stuff. After everybody else falls from that, comes the new day that's my theory that i'm putting in right now that's my official theory that i'm going with if i'm wrong i'm wrong but that sounds like a great fucking ending that's it thank you guys so much for listening this is south by southwest roast an anthology series where i cover season eight of game of thrones and i'm gonna spice in a lot of book stuff a lot of theories a lot of fan stuff uh we're gonna have guests in the next couple next couple episodes it's gonna be great thank you guys so much for listening you can listen to my main podcast aaron explains the universe um spread this around you know if you guys liked it send you know check it out send it to your friends families and all that stuff uh if you guys have any suggestions on what you would like me to include in future episodes please let me know uh that's it thank you guys so much next monday we back talking about episode two of season eight you guys have a good one
What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.